The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Finally, this season is here. The Fox NFL theme, uh, which you will hear Sunday at 1 if you are watching the game. If you're at the game like me, you won't hear it. Uh, Sunday for me will be the first home game I have been to since 2018. Uh, 2018 was the first year that I did not do the pregame show after doing it for 13 seasons on the flagship station, 980, in the home of Washington football, uh, the Team 980, uh, ESPN 980, Sports Talk 980, whatever we were at the time. Um, and I went to the Dallas game in 2018, the game in which Washington got to 4-2. and two. Remember, they eventually got to 5-2 and two, uh, before losing and then losing Alex Smith in that game against Houston. That Dallas game was really exciting. When Jason Wright said to J.P. Finley and Brian Mitchell last week that this will be the first sellout of all Washington fans, um, or mostly Washington fans, since 2012 or 2013. That's an exaggeration. There have been some really good home games. That game did have a lot of Dallas fans there, but it was majority Washington fans, and it was a loud stadium that day. I think Brett Maher missed a field goal uh, from like 47 yards out to force overtime. That year, if you recall, on their way to 5-2, and two, um, included some wins over teams that really weren't good, like Arizona in the opener, um, Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers was hurt, uh, Carolina wasn't very good, the Giants weren't very good, and they got lucky a little bit with that Dallas win. They got lucky also. Remember they went down to Tampa, and Tampa had 500 yards of offense and only scored three points because they had four turnovers and multiple missed field goals. That was a strange year that eventually, I think, went the way it would have gone with or without Alex Smith, which was, you know, bottoming out somewhere around 500. In their case, they went 7-9 and nine and missed uh, the postseason. But five years since I've been at FedEx Field, I'm looking forward to Sunday. It certainly promises to be one of the best FedEx field crowds in years. That's for sure. 
Uh, a celebration, certainly, uh, of Dan being gone. Um, and maybe a teed-up opponent um, to uh, beat up on a little bit. I don't know about that. This is the NFL. I'll have my prediction on the game coming up here uh, momentarily. The show, uh, as it is every day, is presented by Window Nation. If you're thinking about new windows, give Window Nation a shot. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name, Kevin Sheehan, and you'll get a no-risk, no-pressure, free estimate. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Today on the show, Jay Gruden. Uh, Jay is going to join me every Friday during football season. So we will hear from Jay on Friday about the upcoming Washington game, about the upcoming NFL weekend, and we'll go backwards a little bit and get his thoughts on the previous game. Uh, Today, Jay will give us his season prediction for Washington and tell us uh, what kind of year he thinks Sam Howell and the team will have. Jay Gruden coming up in the next segment. Uh, The smell test after that to finish up the show, the smell test last week and week one went three and two. Um, I do want to talk briefly about the opening game of the season last night in Kansas City. That was a wild game. Uh, it was a strange game in many ways. You know, no Travis Kelsey, no Chris Jones. We talked about how Travis Kelsey being out pretty much proved to be the number one point spread mover that is not a quarterback. That line came down to three and a half or four before kickoff from six and a half uh, for much of the offseason. So a couple of thoughts on the game, and then I want to talk about the end of the game. Uh, First of all, Patrick Mahomes did everything he could, um, but his supporting cast did not help. Uh, the drops by Kadarius Tony in that game were backbreaking. Uh, there were other players that dropped balls, but Kadarius Tony had a disastrous night. Uh, Kansas City, a lot of you reached out to me to say, I think you were kidding. Um, but you reached out to say, see, look what they are without Eric Bieniemy. Uh Look, I'm not saying that they won't miss Eric Bieniemy. I'm just telling you that last night was not about Eric Bieniemy. Okay? I mean if if for those of you that reached out, if you were serious about that, um I don't know um if you've really paid attention to Andy Reid, to Matt Nagy, to Patrick Mahomes, to Travis Kelsey who didn't play in the game last night. Um they miss Kelsey a ton uh last night. Again, let me just make sure everybody's clear. All right, that's not criticism of Eric Bieniemy, because Eric Bieniemy Bieniemy may have been missed, but they did not lose the game last night because they didn't have Eric Bieniemy. They lost the game last night for a number of reasons, but if we're talking about somebody that was missing from the game, uh, it was Travis Kelsey followed by Chris Jones. So, on one hand, last night's game should have gone the Chiefs' way if not for all of the drop balls. And at the same time, to me, Detroit throughout the night controlled the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball, and I kind of felt like they deserved to win the game. Um, I really thought Jameer Gibbs should have gotten more carries. I bet you that that is a, a, a cry from Detroit fans all year long. David Montgomery's good. He was good in Chicago. 
Jameer Gibbs, one of our two first-round picks, and by the way, the other one, Jack Campbell, played pretty well. Uh, their second-round pick, um, Laporta, the tight end from Iowa, played well uh, also. So did Brian Branch, their other second-round pick. They did pretty well in the draft based on one night. But uh, Jameer Gibbs really looked, you know, he looked like a difference-maker at running back. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is everything that I believe him to be. Um, I thought they should have run the ball a little bit more. They were totally balanced for the night, 35 throws, 34 runs. But I thought that they could have run the ball more effectively and more often with Gibbs in particular. But the game, from that standpoint, it was like Kansas City should have won the game if they could have just held on to a football that Patrick Mahomes threw. Um, And at the same time, Detroit deserved to win the game because I thought they owned both lines of scrimmage. Detroit's offensive line is outstanding. And on the other side of the ball, oh my God, how good is Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, we are going to be talking, I think, about Aiden Hutchinson in the same way we talk about Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa and some of the great, you know, defensive ends. By the way, versatile. I mean, you saw them moving him around, but he was unblockable and unblockable at times by Jawan Taylor, who clearly lined up in the backfield all night long and they didn't call it. Um, I think I'll ask Jay Gruden about that. Uh, Jay Gruden coming up next. But I do want to fast forward to the end of this football game. And I'll try to uh, explain what I want to talk about so that if you didn't even watch the game, you'll understand. So Detroit had the ball up 21-20. to They only had 14 offensive points in the game, but they were up 21-20, to and they had a fourth and two at the Kansas City 45-yard line. By the way, the Lions faked a punt from their own 18-yard line in the first half, and I think Kansas City was expecting it, and they still got it. And that led, by the way, um, to their first touchdown of the game and a 7 to nothing lead. And then for whatever reason, Dan Campbell, fourth and three in the second half at the Kansas City 40, punted. I thought that was weird. But fourth and two, two and a half minutes to go in the game, Detroit up 21-20, and the Lions with the ball in Kansas City territory at the Chiefs' 45-yard line. Decided to go for it. I actually thought it was the right call to go for it. Uh, You don't want to give Mahomes back the ball uh, down one, no matter where the starting field position would have been, and no matter how many balls his receivers had dropped all night long. And so they went for it, and they got stopped. And Kansas City took over from their own 45-yard line, all three timeouts, needing only a field goal for a lead. Uh, On the first down play, Kadarius Toney dropped the football right in his hands, a little bit behind him, maybe. Uh, another drop. The pick six was a drop by Tony, and that uh, started what turned out to be a disastrous drive. They had a holding penalty. Um, Donovan Smith, you know, who's over from Tampa, um, and uh, uh, after Brady left, and then they had a false start by Jawan Taylor. He finally got called for one. And so the drive went backwards after after the Tony drop that would have put the ball right around the Detroit 35-yard line at the two-minute warning. Um, and so on fourth and 20, Andy Reid's got the offense out there from their own 35-yard line. Then there's a false start. Now it's fourth and 25. It's fourth and 25. Kansas City has all three timeouts left. They're at their own 30-yard line down one. 
999,000 times out of a million teams punt in that situation. Andy Reid went for it. Fourth and 25 is, you know, almost, it's less. It's a less than 5% probability play, I believe. It's certainly less than 10%. But he does have Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey's not on the field, but he still has Patrick Mahomes. And they failed on that play, on an incomplete pass, and Detroit took over, and Detroit needed one first down, they got it, and then they need the game out, and uh, it was over. Now, context is everything with these two-point and fourth-down analytics, you know, conversations. The context here is that Andy Reid did not believe in his defense at that point. His defense did look tired, even though they had gotten the fourth and two stop. But there had been a drive. The drive that gave Detroit the 21-20 lead was a run-it-down-your-throat drive and ended up with a David Montgomery eight-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, there were run, the, the play before it was a six yard run. There was an eight yard run on that drive. It just looked like Kansas city had run out of steam defensively. And Andy Reed didn't want to give the ball back to him. So he went for a fourth and 25 from his own 30. You know, he also probably thought, look, if Detroit takes over at our 30, they are in field goal range. And, you know, they have less field to work with to run, to run out the clock. The problem is they only needed one first down after the three timeouts to run out the clock. But I talked about something on radio today that I thought about with my son last night uh, in watching this game. This was a very interesting, almost unprecedented decision by a coach to go for a 4th and 25 with all three ta- three timeouts left in a one-point game. You know, if, if they don't have any timeouts left, then they're going to go for it because the game's over. If they punt it, the other team will knee the, knee the clock out, even though there was a two-minute warning. They can't knee it out completely. But um, they had all three timeouts left. And so you just don't ever see this. And then uh, it occurred to me that Better than 4th and 25 in terms of increasing the odds if you didn't think punting the ball to them was a better chance than 4th and 25. There's something they could have done that I don't think I've ever seen done, and I bet you I never will see done, but it actually may have given Kansas City their best chance to win the game. Follow me uh, here closely. On 4th and 25, instead of throwing the ball down the field incomplete or throwing the ball down the field and getting a flag or getting a catch and a conversion, what if Patrick Mahomes had taken the snap and run backwards, not for a safety? Because with a safety, then you'd have to punt the ball, and it's the same situation as punting it on 4th and 25. But you run back to the 9.5-yard line, and you run out of bounds. Why would you do that? Well, because if Detroit takes over in a one-point game, first and goal inside Kansas City's 10-yard line, they cannot get a first down. And if they can't get a first down, then Kansas City is guaranteed to get the ball back. And when they get the ball back, they're either going to get it back down one, down four, or down eight. More likely down four or down eight. Detroit's either going to score a touchdown to go up 28 to 20, or they're going to be stopped and they're going to kick a field goal up 24 to 20 after the field goal. 
I guess there's a chance they could go for a fourth down and get stopped or fumble the football uh, or throw an interception or whatever, and Kansas City could get back uh, the ball down 21-20. But it would be the only way to guarantee another possession would be for Detroit to have it first and goal. Now, you don't run out at the five-yard line or the four-yard line. You run out at like the nine-and-three-quarters-yard line. You make sure Detroit's got the longest distance to go to score a touchdown. Now, um, my son and I were talking about this last night, and he said, well, what if Detroit decided to go for two after scoring a touchdown to build a nine-point lead? And there are people that say two-point analytics, you know, up seven, go for two and put the game away. And Dan Campbell's one of those guys. He may have gone for two. They may have missed it. They may have gotten the ball back down 27 to 20. But let's just assume, like most teams would have done, they would have kicked the extra point. And now you give Patrick Mahomes the ball with, you know, just, you know, probably a minute 50, minute 45, something like that left after they used all their three timeouts and Detroit ran three plays. And he's got a chance to go down, score a touchdown, two point conversion to tie the game. Anyway, I don't know if you followed along with that. But again, the only chance that Kansas City had to get the ball back if uh, or the only guarantee that they would have gotten the ball back is to do what I described. Everything else meant they had to stop them defensively, and they didn't. Detroit got a first down on three runs, took three knees, and won the game 21-20. to All right, Washington this year, my season prediction for Washington this year. Tommy gave out 7-10, and and his big, bold prediction yesterday was that the quarterback that's starting at the end of the year isn't even on the roster. That's so on brand for Tommy. So, last year, I predicted 8-8-1, and I told you that they would tie a game on a Thursday night in Chicago, 13-13. They didn't tie... Chicago 13 to 13. They beat them 12 to 7. They tied the Giants late in the year and they went 8 8 and 1 on the season. That was pretty good. 8 8 and 1. Now, some of you said, well, you uh, just wanted to pick a 500 record because you're usually, you know, around 500 or a game or above. Well, I'm only where I actually believe they will be. I'm not just, you know, doing. Not the price is right thing. I'm not just splitting it, taking the middle and hoping it falls, you know, a game or two either way, so I'm close. No, I'm giving you the record that I think they're going to have. I'm giving you eight, eight, and one for the second straight year, partly for shtick, I guess, but really it's what I think they are as a team. I think they're like a 500 ish team. I think they'll be in contention. For a playoff spot deep into the year like they were last year, like they were the year before, like they were the year before that. Uh, And because they play 17, I can't get to 500 without a tie. So 8, 8, and 1. That's my season record prediction for the Washington Commanders. I said it. Um, Because I think that this is a team that is too good I really believe too good on defense, too good at the skilled position players to, you know, I really believe to lose less than eight games. You know, I guess seven and ten could be a possibility. Injuries are obviously the wild card. Eight, eight, and one. Here are my three bold predictions for the year. 
Montez Sweat leads the team in sacks with 12-plus and makes his first Pro Bowl. Logan Thomas is a much bigger factor on this team than most of you think. 70-plus receptions, 600-plus yards, 8-plus touchdowns. Only Dotson and Terry McLaurin are more productive as a pass catcher. And then my third bold prediction for the season, Chase Young plays 15-plus games, and he may not play Sunday. We'll see. 15-plus games, has 8-plus sacks, 10-plus tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, maybe throwing an, uh, an interception and a touchdown. And we are talking about keeping Chase Young as the majority opinion by the end of the year. That is wishful and hopeful, but I do think that the information that I got a couple of weeks ago that Chase Young really came prepared, came with a different approach, he still has that same level of talent. He's got to stay on the field, obviously. So 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one is my season prediction. 12-13 to 13, uh, plus sacks for Sweat in a Pro Bowl. Logan Thomas has a big-time productive year, as does Chase Young. So, as far as the team goes for Sunday's game against Arizona, uh, Terry McLaurin is good to go. He is in. He will play Sunday. He was taken off the injury report today. Chase Young remains questionable. He's got a doctor's appointment later today. By the time you listen to this podcast, you may know um, what the results of that are. Before practice today, they placed Dax Milne on injured reserve and activated defensive end William Bradley King, who they released a couple of weeks ago, to the active roster. So what does that mean uh, in terms of Milne? Well, it means that Jamison Crowder or Kaz Allen will be called off the practice squad for Sunday's game against Arizona to return punts. Ron did not give a firm answer on punt returner today. He said it's a decision we've got to make. Um, And I have a feeling they're going to go with Crowder. I have a feeling that this game is a big-time game for them. Kind of some pressure associated with this game because so much is expected from them uh, and the atmosphere that they'll be playing in front of. And I think Ron ultimately and Nate Katzer are going to feel like a veteran punt returner um, is the way to go. Remember in 2020 in a big game late in the season COVID year against Carolina and Steven Sims fumbled a punt and Carolina scored and they ended up losing to Carolina. I just have a feeling, and Sims was a super young player, um, by the way, kind of similar to Kaz Allen in terms of his explosiveness uh, as a returner. I just think they're going to be more comfortable going with a veteran. That's my guess. All right, uh, I'm going to give you a final score prediction and a few keys to the game on Sunday. And no, one of those keys is not just showing up. Uh, They are playing an NFL team on Sunday at FedEx. But before I get to that, uh, just a quick ask and reminder, if you haven't rated or reviewed us and you've got a moment, 
um, especially on Apple and Spotify. Uh, if you could rate us and review us, that would be great. Uh, five stars uh, if you see fit, and just a quick one to two sentence review. Um, it really does help us. Subscribing to the podcast helps as well, and following us is a big deal, especially on Apple and Spotify. Apple's follow button, it's a big button in the upper right-hand corner. If you just hit that button and follow the podcast, um, that's a big help. By the way, we got a five-star review, uh, a five-star rating from Dean, um, and Dean wrote the following. I love the show. Is Tom pulling out the last strands of hair he has on his head after seeing the RG3 video. <laughs> so you clearly, Dean, uh, and this is why it was at the top of the list, you sent this in yesterday or early this morning. By the way, Tommy's got a full head of hair. I'm the one without hair. Um, I don't have a lot of hair. Uh, I'm struggling in that department. Tommy's got a full head of hair. Uh, But for those of you who don't know what Dean is talking about, the team put out a minute-long, just over a minute-long video, hype video, featuring RG3 and saying, welcome home. On Sunday, there are going to be a lot of former players. Champ Bailey's coming back. Rigo is coming back. Yeah. Rigo is going to associate himself with the team once again, uh, something that he decided not to do um, there for the last few years. Uh, and RG3 is going to be there on Sunday, and the team produced this video. It's a produced video where RG3 drives in in a car, and he's got the socks on, and he walks into FedEx Field, and it's welcome home. And he tweeted it out, uh, retweeted the video, and wrote, it's time for all of us, in capital letters, to come back. See you at FedEx Field Sunday. Let's go. So I just... I don't want to spend much time, and I'm not going to, on this. Did I have a reaction when I saw the video late last night? I did. Uh, And my reaction was, I don't know who put this together, but it's not the best of ideas. And the reason for that is not because RG3 is despised by the fan base. Sure, many people do despise RG3 from this fan base. But he is polarizing, Rigo's not polarizing. Champ Bailey's not polarizing. Sonny and Billy, who, by the way, Mitch Rails is using his plane, his personal plane, to fly Sonny Jurgensen and Billy Kilmer up to the game on Sunday. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, Sonny, taking care of Sonny. That's a beautiful thing. By the way, Jim Hart apparently lives the old Cardinals quarterback and the backup quarterback for Theismann in Washington for a year in the uh, 80s. Uh, I think it's coming up on that plane as well. But anyway, um, RG3 is a polarizing at best figure um, in his relationship with the fan base. I think that's the nicest way to describe it. And so it's another indication that those are put, who are putting this kind of thing together don't have a real sense of even recent history. Um, it's a nice video. It's well-produced. Look, I think RG3 is excellent as a game analyst on college football. Excellent. I think he should focus on that. I think he can be an absolute star as a game analyst calling games. Not a big fan of him in studio or on the set or on the field, in the talk format stuff, um, but I think he's excellent calling uh, games. But 
I get it for those of you who are upset, but there are also a lot of people that I'm sure are thrilled. He provided us with one of the most thrilling seasons that we had during the you know dark ages of Dan. 2012, we'll always have it. It doesn't matter what happened afterwards. That season was thrilling. So, yeah, I, I think he's a polarizing figure in the fan base. That's a that's the best you can describe his relationship. And so him being on the field Sunday next to Rigo and Sonny and Billy and even Champ Bailey, yeah, some things you know don't fit, and he doesn't fit among that group. But there will be a lot of people at the game that will be thrilled to see RG3 back in that uh, stadium again. All right, uh, keys to the key, keys to a win on Sunday. Let me go through three quick keys uh, to beating the Cardinals. It's always hard for the opener, right? Uh, because you don't know enough about your own team, let alone the other team, especially when the other team has a new coaching staff and a quarterback that they just traded for three weeks ago. So, number one, uh, Washington beats Arizona if they don't help Arizona. Arizona's not a good football team, we don't think, and we also think they're not really playing to win this year. Uh, The players on the field are going to play to win. The coaches are going to coach to win. You you tank organizationally if you tank by trading Colt McCoy, who would have given you the best chance to win, and starting a guy that you just traded for two and a half weeks ago. Um, you can't give Arizona free points, all right, and keep them in a game uh, that they will likely have a difficult time scoring against our defense in. Number two, I think this is important not only for Sunday but for the early portion of the season. Stay ahead of the chains. Keep balanced. Don't end up with too many drop-back third and passing situations. We don't think that this offensive line is going to be that great. It was a disaster last year with Carson and with Taylor. Um, Sam Howell, a young quarterback, doesn't need third and eight on the first drive, third and 12 on the second drive, and third and nine on the third drive. You know, stay ahead of the chains. Make it easy for Sam Howell. Um, Don't have third and a lot of dropbacks, which I think early on will lead to a lot of sacks. It did last year with a veteran quarterback who took a lot of sacks. Sam's taken some sacks in his life. You know, I don't want to see third and long a lot, sacks, flip field position, and make it difficult for you to score. Thirdly, you know, you didn't really see the starting defense at all during the preseason, and you're going to see it, uh, you know, Sunday for the first time. One of the things you noticed last night, tackling wasn't sharp, and tackling sometimes early in the season nowadays isn't sharp. Tackle well. They've got a couple of players. Rondell Moore is a dangerous player with the ball in his hands. Tackle well. Play fast. The starting defense, I want to see get off to a fast start to the season. We know where last season went, but it was a slow start, and they didn't tackle well in those first two games against Jacksonville and against Detroit. Tackling well, getting the other team, Arizona, off the field more often than not. Uh, will lead to a win. Um, Those are my three keys to a win over Arizona. My final score prediction, Washington 20, Arizona 14. 
Yes, closer than what many of you think it will be. Uh, Stay tuned for the smell test. All right, Jay Gruden next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show with Jay Gruden brought to you by Window Nation. Window Nation always gives you a lot with their offers, but this time they're giving you even more. The more windows you buy, the more you save. Up to 50% off, plus a lot more than that. Pay nothing for two full years. It's another amazing deal on the windows that deliver more for your home. More energy savings, more value, more features, more options, more beauty. If you've been thinking about new windows, give Window Nation the first shot. I promise you it will work out. First of all, mention my name, Kevin Sheehan. You'll get a free estimate, so there's nothing to lose. Secondly, you're going to get a company that's been doing this for a long time. They're a top five window retailer in the nation. Uh, They've installed over 2 million windows nationwide with 96% perfection. That means 96% of their installs require no follow-up service. The windows are made here locally, and the average installer has over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed. Call them right now at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. Right now, no money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. 50% off all style windows. Bow, bay, double hung, any style. You'll save thousands on your new windows. You'll reduce your energy bills by up to 30% all the while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION, windownation.com. Use my name, Kevin Sheehan, for a free estimate. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. So this football season on the Friday show, the Friday football show, Jay Gruden is going to be with me each and every Friday previewing the upcoming football season. We will spend some time on Friday looking back to the previous week. We don't have a week to look back to uh, this week. Um, And today we'll do some season preview of not only Washington but the NFL. But I want to start by asking you about last night. 
I thought it was a weird game, um, and I don't know what to make of it, so I'll ask you. You know, a game in which Detroit wins 21-20 to in the season opener, but the player who would have been the second-best player on the field wasn't in the game in Travis Kelsey. What'd you make of last night? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge – It's a, I mean, he's a, the best tight end to ever play the game, so – that's a big minus for Kansas City. He's their go-to guy. Uh, they use him outside. They use him inside. They use him in a slot. Uh, he's a great uh, run blocker as well. So that's a huge uh, player that did not play, along with Chris Jones, who's the third best player on the field, who didn't play either. So uh, they're a minus. They're two best players. And that's the whole key about pro football is your star players have to play. They have to be available. And if they don't play, because you don't have many of them, if they don't play, they're gonna, it's going to hurt you. You just said Travis Kelsey's the greatest tight end to ever play. Were you just was that just a throwaway comment, or do you believe that? No, I believe that. I, I really do. As far as physicality at the point of attack, he can handle it. He does everything in the passing game. He can get open to man coverage. He can uh, his run after the catch is unlike any tight end that's ever played, in my opinion. I mean, he, he is a dominant player, and, and he's done it for so many years that. Uh, you can't argue with his production and, and, and the way he plays. It's just uh, he's, a, he's a phenomenal guy and a phenomenal player. So he's better than Gronk? Yeah, in my opinion, yeah, he's a better blocker than Gronk, and, and they're both very productive outside in the passing game, obviously. So it's uh, well documented, but I just think overall the production, the consistency uh, that he's played with over the years has been uh, second to none. Was your you know you're of an age where you remember Kellen Winslow? Um, I've always considered Winslow to be the greatest tight end of my lifetime. Uh, where does he stack up on the list of greatest tight ends of all time? Well, I think when I say he's the greatest, I mean he's the best at doing both. I think there's some better receiver tight ends. Obviously, I think Winslow would be probably if you wanted a, just a receiving tight end, you'd probably rather have Winslow than Kelsey, I guess, but I'm talking about the total package. I mean, it's hard to find tight ends that can handle the running game, the point of attack, the outside zones, the, the backside cutoffs, and also be dominant player in the passing game in the red zone and, and just make plays on a consistent basis, and that's why I think Kelsey's uh, the best. Who's the best tight end you've ever coached? Well, I think Jordan Reed was the special guy in the passing game. He wasn't the greatest blocker, but he was okay on some of the outside zones and some of the backside cutoffs he could handle, but he wasn't that physical at the point of attack. Uh, but in the passing game, uh, Jordan Reed was by far the best I coached. Eifert, when he was young and healthy, was, was pretty damn good, too. We actually took Eifert ahead of Kelsey in the draft at Cincinnati. It was a close. Uh, we took Eifert because he was a more healthy guy. Kelsey had some injuries coming out of college and Come to find out, Eifert was the guy that got hurt all the time, and Kelsey stayed healthy. So <laughs> funny how that works out. Until last night. Um, I always think that Jordan Reed is, you know, Sean Taylor is the greatest what-if in Washington football franchise history. I mean, he was trending in a way that I think most people think he would have been a, a Hall of Fame player um, uh, and was on his way. I always, I always consider Jordan Reed to be – on the short list of the greatest what-ifs in franchise history. If he had stayed healthy, if he had not had those concussions, he probably would have become the greatest tight end in, in franchise history. He was completely uncheckable when he was healthy. And, by the way, you had other receivers that were pretty good around him. Yeah, for sure. And I put uh, Darius Geis in that, situ- in that category as well as far as what-ifs. He doesn't get hurt. 
but yeah, Jordan Reed was he was a, a matchup nightmare for the defenses because I could line him up anywhere. Uh, you get man zone tells, you get coverage tells before the snap, and it makes it easy for the quarterback. And and the routes that he ran were easy for quarterbacks to complete. Just option routes, the choice routes, the lookies that we ran. Um, he was he was a dynamic player, and he was a huge matchup problem for defenses and. When we lost them, it was you couldn't replace them because you just you couldn't call the same plays with another average tight end that you could with Jordan because they couldn't do the things that he could do. So you just threw Darius Geis into the conversation of the greatest what ifs in franchise history. Tell me why. I I know what type of player he was at LSU. He was he was he was a stud. I mean, he was powerful. I mean, he could catch. Um, he was fast. He was a violent runner uh, and and. I just think that uh, he would have done some things that uh, not many backs could do as far as he could do everything. He had the speed to work you outside in the flats and uh, on the perimeter, and he also had the power to run between the tackles. So he didn't have a weakness in his game. It's just unfortunate that, you know, uh, when the first preseason game, I said, hey, I'm going to give you seven carries, and after the seventh carry, if you protect the ball and protect the quarterback, um, you'll be named starter in the uh, seventh carry, the seventh carry, not the sixth, the seventh carry, he blew his knee out. And, uh, <laughs> yes, you can't make it up. Um, but I, I just think he was a special guy and a special talent. Uh, that opener against Philadelphia that year, remember all of the controversy over making Adrian Peterson inactive and starting Darius Geis. That was your call. You were the head coach. Was it because you just thought you had a star, a potential star in Geis? Yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson was the first and second down back. And uh, in order for him to play, it had to be, you know, he, he wasn't a uh, factor on third downs, obviously. That's known. That's known. Um, and I wanted to give those carries to Darius. I think Darius worked his tail off the rehab. And um, in order to get Adrian on the field, it probably only been about seven or eight carries in the game, which would have been good. But uh, we also needed special team help and defensive line help. We had to dress an extra defensive lineman, an extra offensive lineman. So we didn't have the luxury to dress four backs. We could only dress three. Our third back had to be a special team punt protector guy and, and on kickoffs and all that stuff. And, and the backup was Chris Thompson. So um, he was our third down back. So I just, I, I regret that decision. I don't think it sat well with anybody in the building, um, but I just thought Darius was a special guy, and, and uh, unfortunately he got hurt against Philadelphia too. What about that draft? Because I remember, and I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, um, and I didn't mean to go down the Darius Geis uh, you know, rabbit hole here, but um, I remember Adam Schefter reporting that you guys were ready to take on Johnson earlier in the second round, the running back out of Auburn, but I, uh, it was the Lions who took him right before you guys um, were ready to pick. And so then you traded down, if my memory serves me correctly, and took Geis. Was on Johnson the back you wanted? And when he was gone, you traded down and settled for Geis? How did that work on that draft day? There was four or five backs that we really liked in our second round area uh, that we had graded. Carrion was one of them. Darius was obviously one of them. Um, I think Nick Chubb was in that draft. He went earlier. Um, there was a couple other backs. I can't remember who they were in that draft. But we had we knew that we could get one of those guys on the teams that we that we when we traded down. We knew the other teams weren't going to take a back, um, so we had the luxury to uh, get Darius later on in the draft. And it was a good pick. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with the injuries. What about you know? Th- there was that stretch where you had, um, you know, you had Geis in the second round. Uh, there was the um, 
uh, the, the DB, Sua, uh, the, the linebackers DB, Sua Cravens uh, in the second round, where clearly there was a miss as far as personality. Why didn't due diligence sort of uncover some of the things that were wrong with these people? Well, Darius did have some issues a little bit. Uh, they came to they came to fruition a little bit after he played a couple of years, and then uh, you know obviously we knew that we had to work with Darius. We had to keep a close eye on Darius. I think if he would have played and um, and had success, we probably had to watch him a little harder. Um, but I, I still think that we could have kept a close eye on him, and, and Darius would have been fine. Uh, Sua was a different deal. Um, you know, we we totally missed on Sua and. Um, it was a it was a weird pick, uh, one that I wasn't really on board with, to be honest with you, just because of the position that he played. At USC, he played like an outside nickel position, which he wasn't able to play in the NFL. We projected him to be a safety, which he never played at, uh, at USC, which is weird. Um, you know, you, you, you take a guy that high with a projection doesn't make any sense, in my opinion. But, um, you know, I know Joe Barry was here, and he wanted to put him a dime linebacker, um, not safety. So we brought him here. We tried him to safety. It didn't work out. He played dime linebacker, um, which was really only on third down and eight to 10, where he only played dime linebackers, really. So to tell you a guy that high with that limited role was, was a stretch, uh, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it was, that was a miss. You know, one of your, <laughs> one of your memorable lines in talking about, uh, two years of, of drafts under Scott McLuhan in 15 and 16, you said, I got a wide receiver and a guard. Um, and Brandon Sheriff, you know, that was one of those sound drops that we played over and over again for a few years. Uh, Sheriff turned out to be, by far and away, the best player of those McLuhan drafts, um, even though he was a guard. Um, I just, I, I'm just thinking back to those days in, in that comment. You were frustrated more with Doxon at that point, right? Yeah, you know, we, we needed a wide out and there wasn't a, a lot of wide outs in that draft. It was a it was a weak draft. You know, the guy we missed on in that draft was uh, Michael Thomas, right. I believe. He was in that draft, but uh we missed on him for sure. I didn't uh he, I don't know, just it, he turned out to be a lot better than I thought. And uh that happens from time to time and Josh was the best available and, and we really wanted Ryan Kelly the center from uh right. Alabama exactly. who went to the Colts right before us and yeah. when he was gone it kind of threw our draft into limbo. Uh <laughs> You know, we were like guaranteed we were going to get Ryan Kelly, and, and that didn't work out. So we kind of went uh, to the best receiver on the board, and Treadwell was out there, I think, still. I know he might have gone to Minnesota right after us or right before us. Uh, uh, Will Fuller, the receiver from Notre Dame, uh, went to Houston, was out there, I think. And, and Josh, we ended up taking Josh. He was, a, he was a big kid that really had great leaping ability, but he just couldn't really run like you really need to run on the outside. And, and in order for him to get the ball and be productive, he had to throw him more 50-50 balls, and, and that wasn't Kirk's deal. Kirk threw the open guys. He didn't like throwing those 50-50 balls. By the way, that was a disastrous first round for receivers. Corey Coleman went to Cleveland yeah. uh, at 15. Yeah, Will Fuller, you guys actually traded one spot back with Houston. Houston jumped in front of you via a, a, in, in a trade. I, I remember assuming that you guys either liked Fuller or Doxson, and you didn't care which one you got. Um, Fuller went to Houston, then Doxson to Washington, Treadwell to Minnesota. Disaster of a first round of wide receivers. And then the second round was Sterling Shepard, Michael Thomas, Tyler Boyd. Um, 
all three of those guys have been uh, very productive in the NFL. All right, back to last night. So what did you make of the Lions? Do you think the Lions are for real? I do think the Lions are for real. Um, offensively, they got a lot of weapons, and I thought they'd use Gibbs a lot more than they did. And I still think he's he's going to get more and more action when the season goes on. So they have some weapons. I think golf is playing very efficiently. He's not turning the ball over. Um, and defensively, if they can hang in there with some with some teams and play with the lead, let Hutchinson rush, then I think they have a good chance to be very, very, very competitive throughout the year. Um, what do you think of Jared Goff? He's had such an interesting career, right? I mean, here's a guy that was the number one, number one overall. Um, he quarterbacks the Rams into a Super Bowl. Uh, and he's not good enough anymore. So they go they go to Stafford. Goff ends up in Detroit. He has a good year last year. And is he just one of those quarterbacks, Jay, that needs the right scheme? Which, by the way, I think Sean's scheme was right for him. But what do you what do you think of Jared Goff? I like Jared. I think a lot of these guys. He's still fairly young. He was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. He's got arm talent. He's very smart. He's got great anticipation. He throws a really nice, catchable ball. I mean, really, he's accurate and uh, and receiver-friendly uh, thrower. He's uh, accurate, like I said, and and, uh, and smart. Now, where you lose out is his athleticism. He doesn't do a lot of things off schedule, um, but he can manage a game and win you a lot of games. Play good defense, and he can get the ball to the right people. And a good play caller like Ben Johnson will put him in good situations. Do you think they win the NFC North? I think they have the best overall team. I do. I think offensively and defensively, they're starting to get the pieces together that they wanted. Uh, they got a good frame of mind, a good coach uh, that still can they can pound the ball. They can hit you a lot of different ways. They got two good backs, like I said. Um, they don't really have a weakness on offense, except maybe the outside receivers. You know, Josh Reynolds is okay, and Marvin Jones is a little bit older. St. Brown does a good job in the slot, moving around. Uh, but I do think overall their team, um, offensively and defensively, probably personnel-wise, is the best in that division. By the way, did you? What did you make of the Chiefs' right tackle, Jawan Taylor, last night? It looked like, and the, they pointed it out. Tariko and Collinsworth pointed it out all night long. It looked like he was not on the line of scrimmage. That he was not only you know off the line of scrimmage, um, but that he was timing the snap pretty well. Uh, and still, Hutchinson was an absolute beast. But d- did you think that he was lining up um, in a spot that should have been called? Yeah, for sure. It has to be called. In fact, I coached Juwan at Jacksonville for a year, and I had the referees tell me all the time, hey, you got to get your right tackle up on the ball. I'm like, Juwan, scoot up a little bit, damn it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But offensive tackles, if, if they don't get called, they're going to back up as much as they can. When you're playing against a good pass rusher, uh, you better get your ass back there. And uh, it's smart on his part, for sure. If they're not going to call it, scoot back even more. Uh, By the way, I remember Morgan Moses used to always seem to be a guy that I thought false started three or four times a game, but I guess he was just timing the snap perfectly. Yeah, for sure. Morgan was good. Morgan was notorious for that, too, for backing up as well. You know, tackles like to be back there. They want to get out of the stance and – and that's why snap count is critical. These young young quarterbacks they got to utilize the snap count um, and tackles, and and they have to they have to anticipate the snap count in order to have a chance against some of these pass rushers. 
All right. Uh, Sunday um, at FedEx Field, a place you're familiar with, uh, there will be a sellout crowd of Washington fans for the first time in a long time. I mean, you had some games, obviously. That playoff game against Green Bay, there were a lot of Packers fans there, but, you know, it was mostly Washington fans. There were some big games that year. There were some big games the following year in 2016 as well. Um, But... Just your overall thoughts on Dan's gone, new ownership, and the fan base seems reignited. Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's the way it should be. You know, some of our home games were like road games when I was there at the end of the year. We had more Viking fans, and we had to go silent count at home a couple times because the crowd was so big for the other team. But you're right, the Green Bay game was by far the best environment I've been around at the Washington uh, with Washington my whole career there. And in order to get that back, I think a change of ownership is good. I think the positivity around Sam Howell and the football team right now and the defense, I think it's energized the whole city. And I think it's going to be a, a great atmosphere. should be a great atmosphere here every week. Um, and hopefully it, it can continue throughout the year. I still don't know why Deshaun Jackson ran out of bounds at the one-yard line early in that game, in that playoff game. I don't know. We should have punched it in anyway. Uh, you got to bring that up. <laughs> Well, I just, it was such a great start. Places on fire. He takes that pass. He's going in, and for whatever reason, he steps out at the one, and you guys end up having to kick a field goal. Um, and it's five, I think it was five, it was two to nothing because there was that safety um, to start the game. And instead of it being nine to nothing, it was five to nothing. And I thought that was like a big early play uh, in that game. Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest play, we were playing a really good defense in that game. And the first time they made a yeah. big play is, I told our whole staff, we can't sub on third down. He just can't do it. He's going to quick count you. And sure enough, we subbed on third down. He quick counted. It's got a free play, and I got a big play down the field. It actually was our first first down, and they have scoring on that drive. It was third and long. Um, that was the that was the play that drove me insane. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a heck of a game and a heck of an atmosphere. Yeah, uh, 12 men on the field on a third down. They had punted um, and been stopped for a safety on their first four drives <clears throat> of the game. All right. So they're opening up against the Cardinals. The last time Washington opened up against Arizona was in 2018. You had Alex Smith in his first game, Adrian Peterson in his first game out in uh, Glendale. And the Cardinals were coached by Steve Wilkes in his first game as a head coach. Washington's facing the Cardinals with Jonathan Gannon coaching his first game uh, as a head coach. How much different it is it to prepare for an opener for a team with a whole new coaching staff? It's different. You know, there's uh, defensively, you can kind of see the base fronts and coverage as they play in the preseason, but offensively, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. You know, especially they got Josh Dobbs starting at quarterback. He's an athletic guy. How much quarterback runs are they going to do? You just have to be sound in what you do. You play your coverages, you work on training camp, you play your fronts. And you just make sure your gap, uh, your gaps are right and everybody's playing in the right spot and your coverages are sound. And, and, uh, then as the game goes on, you might have to make some adjustments, which you do in every game. But for the most part, you just call your defenses and you call your offenses and, and, and you, uh, try to execute the best way you can. I mean, do you remember the, the, the preparation for that opener and, 
you know, looking at a guy like Wilkes and trying to figure out, like, you know, I, I heard Jack Del Rio uh, the other day. He was talking about, well, you know, they're, they're familiar with Gannon because he was the coordinator in Philadelphia. They're familiar with, uh, you know, Dobbs. They're, they're looking at Cleveland. They're looking at Stefanski um, with, you know, the offensive coordinator. Do you remember specifically, you know, pr- uh, preparing for Wilkes and, and what you guys did? Yeah, I remember Wilkes. You know, he he was a successful defensive coordinator, so we 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 coached against him uh, many times. So we kind of had a good idea for what defenses they were going to run and, and fronts and coverages. But you still never know the nuances they might add uh, when they become a head coach. That's the one thing you got to worry about. But for the most part, uh, you're just going to do what you do best, and then during the game, you're going to try to adjust the best way you can to anything new that you might not have seen. Which every week you're going to see something you haven't seen. Uh, that team do that's that's part of the game that's why you just got to be sound in what you do and uh you're sound in your protections on offense sound in your fronts and your blitzes and your coverages and go play all right let's talk about washington overall do you think this team's a playoff contender in the nfc i i think the nfc uh they have a chance yes if they're an afc i'd say heck no not even close but uh nfc yes i don't know the, the top teams in the nfc there's there's four or five that are probably pretty clear i just worry about the division they're in because i think two of the best teams in the nfc are in their division that's the issue with philadelphia and dallas and the giants are obviously getting a little bit better too but i personally this year don't think they are playoff contenders uh obviously it's a lot's going to depend on how sam Powell plays how eric the uses them and and how they execute on offense. Defensively, for sure, they're a playoff team. Offensively, I just worry about the inexperience of the quarterback. That's, that's the most important position in football. And um, until he proves that he can handle a 17-game slate, uh, I, I just don't think they're ready yet. So what's your gut? Will he be able to handle it? What, what kind of season will Sam Howell have? I, I just think young quarterbacks, it's, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, they're going to have their ups and downs. I think they can get to seven or eight wins for sure. Uh, but I just think over a course of 17 games with the schedule that they have um, and the teams in their division um, with Jalen Hurts and Prescott and Daniel Jones, I just think they're – when you're the fourth best quarterback in your division, it's hard for me to say that, yeah, they're a playoff contending team. So I just think that uh, they're a few years away. So who do you like in the NFC? Uh, uh, Cowboys and Eagles, I think, have the best rosters for sure. And, uh, you know, the NFC North, I talked about Detroit a little bit. I think Minnesota offensively will be very, very good defensively. I think they'll struggle. Um, obviously, the 49ers, they're loaded on defense. Um, they're going to play great defense. And I think Brock Purdy will be successful. So, San Fran will be good. Um, those are the teams that I like. Seattle's going to be a lot better. Um, yeah. Do you believe? NFC South, I think, is a weak division. Um, I don't know who's going to come out of that one. I would probably lean towards Atlanta right now, but. Uh, or New Orleans, um, but I think um, Dallas and Philadelphia and San Francisco are the top three teams without a doubt. Isn't your brother consulting in New Orleans? <laughs> no, he just went for a couple practices, I think, just to watch. Oh, that was it? Um, because yeah, of Derek Carr? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he and Derek Carr have a great relationship, and um, obviously John and Derek had success together, so they're just trying to find some things that uh, you know they did at the Raiders that they could – use in New Orleans um, that would make Derek more comfortable. That's what you want to do. you got to make your quarterback comfortable and, and utilize his strengths and what he likes. Are you a believer in the Jets? I'm a believer in Aaron Rodgers, yes. 
and I believe the Jets have a very good defense. They have two excellent corners. They have a great pass rush, so that's going to keep them in games. Now, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, and uh, they got some receivers to throw to, uh, they're going to be a dangerous team. they got two great backs. Um, yes, I'm a believer in the Jets. Right now in the AFC, take Mahomes out of the conversation because I'm assuming he'd be your number one pick. Who would be your next pick at quarterback if you could have anybody? You know, Allen, Rodgers, Burrow. By the way, I'm talking about for one season, this season. You know, Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Herbert. Who's your next pick? Uh, Burrow. Burrow. Burrow's a, a competitive. He's just so competitive, so accurate and tough, and he's a great leader. I think players uh, love to play with him. Um, he's tough as hell, and uh, and he's a great He's a great passer. I mean, he's very accurate, great anticipation, has all the things you want as a quarterback, has a swag that makes your team better. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'll ask Jay to give me his Super Bowl pick. But the Dodgers are in town this weekend, so if you're heading down to the ballpark, go to the bullpen before the game or after the game. The bullpen on Half Street remains the home for Nats fans and baseball fans attending a game at Nats Park. It's prime location, steps outside the park in Navy Yard, and it's become the most sought-after attraction for thousands of fans before, during, and after home games. The bullpen, by the way, hosts special events uh, as well. So go to thebullpendc.com to find out more. Uh, but I love being at the bullpen. We had our burgundy and sold party when it became official that Josh Harris was the new owner of the team. He bought everybody a beer at the bullpen uh, that day. Um, But the bullpen this weekend, if you're heading down to the park, I know that typically the Dodgers draw a much bigger uh, crowd uh, to Nats Park. Great place to hang out uh, before, during, or after the game. All right. uh, Give me your Super Bowl pick. Super Bowl pick, I'd probably still say, uh, I, I, I think Philadelphia has the best roster at the NFC right now. I think Philadelphia goes back. I think if Dallas is going to make a run, like I said before, uh, one of those two teams, in my opinion, in the NFC. And then um, AFC, i got to say, I, I always just err on the side of quarterbacks, really. I think uh, Kansas City still, when Kelsey gets back and Chris Jones gets back, they're going to be great. And uh, I, I, I'm giving a little long shot to Baltimore. I'm kind of concerned about their uh, defense. Usually they're the most dominant defense in the NFL. I think their defense is taking a little bit of a step back. But offensively, I think it's going to be fun to watch with Lamar and the weapons that he has, and obviously Cincinnati with Burrow. Give me a team, either conference, that you think is kind of being underrated, uh, overlooked a bit, that you've been telling people I think they're much better than people think. Oh, boy, I probably – I think New Orleans with Derek Carr is going to be a little bit better than people think. Um, I think defensively they're they're pretty damn good. They have an excellent corner in Lattimore. They have a decent pass rush. Um, they're going to be better. Um, and I, and I, like I said with Baltimore, I think Baltimore uh, with the weapons they have on offense will be great. And Pittsburgh, if they can get the quarterback to step up, their defense is uh, outstanding as well. I like – if you don't take the quarterback, then you take the best defenses. And Pittsburgh has always had a very good defense. And if Pickett can play better, um, then they have a chance to make a run because they're so sound on defense and they're violent. Well, that's a perfect segue, and we'll finish with more Washington because they are 
you know, by every metric last year, every advanced metric, they were a top 10 defense last year. And by the way, they were not a good team in taking the ball away. They went out and drafted Emmanuel Forbes. Um, and, you know, they've got Chase Young back, you know, hopefully healthy uh, for Sunday. Uh, but they, do you agree that this is a really good defensive team that could, you know, keep them competitive? What, what do you make of Washington's defense? Well, obviously their front four is as outstanding, as good as anybody in the National Football League. So uh, they, they have the power to stop the run and they have the speed to rush the passer. So it starts with the front. And uh, I think defensively, that's where it begins. If you can get after the quarterback with four guys uh, and stop the run, then, then you're going to be successful on defense. You can mix in the coverages. You can do a lot of different things. I'm a little worried about the linebacker. I think Jam and Davis have got to play better. Uh, Cody Barton's got to play. He's got to step up. Uh, cornerbacks Fuller uh, and and then Forbes. You know, we'll see how Forbes does, but that might not be like a dominant part of their game. But I, I, that's probably their weakness is probably their corners. See how Forbes does, uh, but they have good safety play. Um, and I, I just think that the front four is so good, it's going to give a lot of teams problems. Um, what's your prediction for the team this year, record wise? I, I think seven or eight wins is probably realistic. Um, anything more than that would probably be a surprise for me just because of the youth at quarterback. I, I don't know if people really understand how hard it is to play quarterback in the National Football League with only playing one game. Um, so uh, that's going to be a, the issue for them. Um, they have good receiving play. I think the offensive line's average at best. Um, they got a good back, a couple good backs that I like, but I just think the quarterback play will probably stymie them um, a little bit, and I think seven or eight wins is probably realistic. What's it like, and I know it's a different organization now, and you were in an organization that was highly dysfunctional. Um, Rivera's now got a new ownership group, but what's it like to go into a season as a head coach where you know people perceive that if you don't win, that's it? Well, it's that every year, to be honest with you. Whether it's your first, coaches get fired after one year nowadays if you don't win. I so, know, but 2019 um, was a different year going into that year for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I knew that going in, and it's it's, it's not fun, especially when your coaches don't get their uh, right. contracts renewed. They're they're coaching on one year, it stresses everybody out in the building, um, and then you have all the injuries to boot. You just it's like. Dead Man Walking, you feel like you're walking down the hallways, and you know, I don't remember that movie, but <laughs> Dead Man Walking, yeah. you know. <laughs> We're going to try to stop you from the singing on this podcast. Uh, that would yeah. Be, yeah. yeah, you're just trying to do the best you can because the players are there to compete, um, but you understand uh, the, the, the business, and I'm sure Ron has a little sense of that. Uh, so they got to win. Uh, at least show progress with Howell. If Howell can play well and, and show that he is a possible starting quarterback for the future of this organization i still think he'll keep his job uh if he doesn't play well um then i think they'll have an issue you know it's so funny when you said that i I know we've talked about this before but i remember being you know uh on the air before 2019 saying does jay try to go nine and seven make the playoffs as a wild card team, keep his job for 2020, or does he invest in Dwayne, develop him, maybe they win six or seven games, but they've got a quarterback for the future, and he stays that way. But you've told me before that wasn't an option because Dwayne just wasn't ready. Yeah, he wasn't ready. You know, it's just, We knew he was a development when we took him. Um, that was a funny thing. Dan says, hey, don't worry, you have time to develop him. I have to develop him for who? 
because uh, I'm not going to be here. But <laughs> yeah, so you know, it, it, it was hard. Um, obviously, Case Keenum did the best he could, but he got hurt, and we had to throw Dwayne in against the Giants because um, he's the only guy we had left, and he didn't perform very well. Obviously, he just wasn't ready at the time. But you know, um, it's hard for these young quarterbacks, especially the true drop back quarterback guys. At least Sam Howell can run, and they can do things to utilize his speed. Uh, do some zone reads, do some RPOs, things of that nature. He can escape on third down and run for first down, which is critical in this day and age in football. To be a true drop-back quarterback uh, like a Jared Goff, uh, it takes time for these guys. They need a lot of repetitions. They need uh, players around them. Um, everything's got to be right. The play's got to be right. Um, it's a lot more difficult than guys like Jalen Hurts and uh, these guys in Justin Fields who can really run, um, you can still get first down and, and manufacture a lot of wins because they have the ability to use their legs. All right, we'll end um, every Friday with this. Uh, give me the, you know, a, a key or two or three for Washington beating Arizona, and then give me a prediction. I think Washington uh, beats this team pretty good. They should beat them by at least two or three touchdowns. I think the key is to protect the football. Um, and don't try to do too much too early with Sam. Um, it's okay to punt early in the game because I think defensively they should stuff uh, Arizona's offense. I like Josh Dobbs. He's he's a tough kid. He's smart as hell. But I just think personnel-wise they don't match up with what Washington has on defense. So it's okay to uh, punt on fourth and one at midfield. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't get too excited early in the game. Um, let the game come to you. And then at the end of the day, you should be able to win 28-3 to or whatever it would be. All right. Um, in the in the future, we'll do more about you know the games that are upcoming that weekend. But this was more of a pre a, a season preview uh, with Jay. But um, thank you so much. I'll talk to you next week. Is, is Arizona tanking? Well, that's that's an interesting um, question because you played a Miami team in 2019 that everybody thought was tanking for Tua at the time, and they started Josh Rosen, if you recall, and then they put Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game, and you guys almost lost that game um, after having a big lead. You remember that game, of course, right? Yeah. So did you th- did you go into that game thinking you were playing a tanking team? I don't know if that's possible to do. There's too many – you can't tell 22 guys that are playing on uh, – on of Sundays course. to lose on purpose. Right. You know, that's, that's what's weird. That's why I think I, I honestly think the NFL should go into the lottery, um, like the NBA does. Um, if you don't make the playoffs, you get a ball or whatever it is, and you have a lottery um, this way. Because this guy is such a great player coming out that somebody's going to want to lose to get Caleb Williams. He'll change the future of the franchise for the next fifteen years. You know, so I, I just I don't know how you tank, but. Obviously, roster-wise, right now, the way they cut Colt McCoy and they're playing Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon, um, it's sure looking that way. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the way you tank. You, you, players are going to players are playing for their professional life when they're out there. You can't tell players not to play hard. Organizations when they tank, and it doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Jay, in part because usually there isn't an obvious franchise changer at the top of the draft like there is more often in the NBA. Um, And by the way, we all know that in the NFL, 
you know, it's still kind of a coin flip, even with a lot of these guys that people are convinced will change the franchise. But you don't do it with players. You do it by trading Colt McCoy, who would have given them their best chance to compete on Sunday. And, you know, putting, you know, uh, I think it's something like 29 first or second year players out on the field Sunday. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Um, but they still have some talent. You know, they have a good offensive line. Um, they have Marquise Brown. I mean, Rondell Moore is a pretty good player. Yeah. They get a couple of good players on defense, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially when you're talking middle of the season and some teams are both, you know, there'll be like multiple teams that are two and six or whatever. Then it'll be a scramble for that first pick. Yeah. Well, I, I, um, it's the NFL, and as someone who has bet the NFL for years, anybody that thinks the Cardinals can't win on Sunday hasn't paid attention to this league uh, for as long as, as you have and, and I have. Uh, of course they could win the game, um, but it does sort of seem like they've got a long-term strategy in place, and that is to get Caleb Williams uh, at some point. Um, all right, They could possibly have the first and second pick. I know. With Houston. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, Well, and, and, you know, the funny thing about Caleb Williams. Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr., Caleb Williams. That would be a pretty good one, too. But, you know, do you, are you absolutely convinced that Caleb Williams will be the number one pick? Because these things always, these things sometimes look this way in September, but by the time we get to December or even February or March, who knows? Maybe Drake May becomes that guy. Maybe Shadur Sanders becomes that guy. Who knows? Are you convinced it's Caleb yeah, no, Williams? It's, uh, yeah, 100%. Yes. Caleb Williams is a different animal. I mean, he can run. He can throw it. I mean, he is, uh, he's a monster. So, yes, he's, he's the number one pick, and in my opinion. I mean, there will be some guys that will emerge a little bit and, and, and be in the conversation possibly, but Caleb Williams does too many things. His arm talent is, is out of this world. So what do you do on Sundays? Do you get up, play around to golf, and then come back and watch all the games? Uh, yeah, typically. For some days, Sundays, I'll just take off the golf. I'll take off Sundays and Mondays. Let my body recoup a little bit. Um, <laughs> study football and, and, uh, and play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this. All right, Kevin. Thanks. Jay Gruden, weekly uh, during football season here on the podcast. All right, I'll finish up with the smell test right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think they're a good young football team. They've got some quality young players in, in some key spots. Um, I think they've got, they've got a, uh, a, a good scheme offensively, defensively, and special teams. I think their coaches are guys that have been around success. I mean, you know, Jonathan Gannon coming from Philadelphia being around that group and, and then coming here and bringing his defense, his style of defense, you know, his, off, his defensive coordinator was his linebacker coach. Um, offensively, you know, they're, the, the coordinators coming from Minnesota through Cleveland to, to, to Arizona. So he's been with Coach Stefanski, and, and I got a lot of respect for, for the way Coach Stefanski does things and that running game um, that, that's, you know, that they have. Um, so you see a lot of those things being emulated there. Uh, there is a, every now and then you see something that, that Philadelphia did on the offensive side. And then special teams, you know, Coach Rogers is a guy that's been in this league a while. So they've got, uh, they've got a good coaching staff. And, and as I said, they've got a lot of good, young, hungry players. Uh, on the defensive side, you know, Buda Baker, I think, is one of the really good safeties in this league. And he's an emotional leader for, this, for their defense and, and for their team, for that matter. So, you know, I think um, their quarterback situation, I like both their quarterbacks, even though one of them's just a rookie. I, I thought, you know, we, we, we liked him and him coming out from Houston. Um, you know, he throws a nice football. And then Dobbs is a smart, athletic quarterback with, with, a, with a good arm, uh, an NFL arm. And, and you saw that. We saw that in the preseason. So, you know, we're, we're not taking this team lightly. This team, you know, they're paid like everybody else. They want to win. They're coming here to win. So we got to be on our game. That was Ron Rivera after practice today doing the Coach Joe thing where Coach Joe would always, before a game against the Cardinals, make sure that everybody out there, including all 55,000 fans that were going to the game, knew that the Cardinals were capable of beating his double-digit favorite team. Uh, The Washington Commanders are not double-digit favorites. They're seven-point favorites. But Rivera, after going through all of their coaches and their resumes, you know, told you they get paid too. Um, but there really is uh, a level of expectation of Washington winning this game, not just here locally, but across the board. And that leads me to uh, letting you know who I have in my Circa Survivor pool. Remember the Circa Survivor and the Circa Million out in Vegas. Uh, you have until tomorrow at 2 p.m., uh, Saturday at 2 p.m., to enter either the Circa Million or the Circa Survivor pools. Uh, the Circa Survivor guarantees $8 million to the winner or winners, $6 million to the Circa Million um, winner, uh, and guaranteed prizes a million to the winner, but they pay out the top 100. Um, and my Circa Survivor pick, I steered clear of the teams that I think most people will select in week one, which is Washington and Baltimore. They're the two biggest favorites on the board. I'm going with Denver as my Circa Survivor pick um, this week. Why Denver? Uh, I don't think the Raiders are quite ready yet. Um, I think Denver, I don't love Denver as a team this year. Uh, The public's actually backing the Raiders a little bit in this game. Denver's a favorite. They're at home. Um, It's not probably a popular survivor pick, which I think 
I will focus on more often than not. I, I, I have done survivor pools, and I know that pretty much uh, early in the season every year, uh, the team, the big favorite that everybody takes to ensure that they make it to the next week, uh, often one of those teams, one of those big favorites, goes down um, early in the season. So Denver is my Circa Survivor pick. But the Circa Survivor, Circa Million Contest out in Vegas. Uh, again, um, you've got until tomorrow at 2 p.m., and you've got to be in Vegas uh, to enter. But the Circa Sportsbook uh, and Casino is first rate. So the next time you're in Vegas, go visit. By the way, after Rivera spoke today, Tavita Pritchard, the new quarterbacks coach, spoke, and he was asked, I think by Sam Fortier, about quarterback sneaking plays. And, you know, I'm going to just rip through his initial answer because there were several follow-up answers, which will lead me to something uh, I think that could be a possibility. But he was asked about what he thinks about quarterback sneaks, and he said, I love them when they pick up first downs. They're great. And then he talked about what Philadelphia did last year, and he called it more of a dive play, the push. You know, he talked about quarterbacks needing to be good at it, the interior of the offensive line needing to be something that you're confident in. And then there was a follow-up question on if he feels they can adopt that kind of quarterback uh, sneak philosophy, kind of, you know, what Philadelphia did. And he said, I think you've got to have the guy that can do it. I think it's an easy way to make a first down. It's one of those things over time the quarterback sneak has not gone away across football because you're right, you take that ball and go get a first down. And then with that came a couple of other follow-up questions quarterback sneak talk with Tavita Pritchard, the quarterback's coach. On quarterback Jacoby Brissett helping with adopting that philosophy because Brissett was a very effective QB sneak quarterback in Cleveland. And Pritchard said, quote, Coach Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, came up to me and he said something to the effect and this would have been at the first preseason game, to the effect of Jacoby's one of the best quarterback sneakers I've ever been around. So we have had some good conversations about it. He clearly has a knack for that play. So we've had some good talks about it. Closed quote. Uh, Could it be that Jacoby Brissett could be inserted into the game on third and short or fourth and short to run the QB sneak. Now, I have no idea uh, if Sam Howell will be good at it or not, but we do know Jacoby Brissett, as Kevin Stefanski said, is one of the best quarterback sneakers he's ever been around. There was one more question to Tavita Pritchard about this. What makes Jacoby Brissett good at quarterback sneaks? And he said, Quote, that's a good question. I only say that because, like, again, I think good sneakers, I'm coining words all over the place, good sneakers come in all shapes and sizes. Some of it is just a savvy 
um, for where that soft spot is going to be. Um, He does have great size. That's part of it. He's got strong lowers. That's part of it, as in a strong lower body. But I think some of it is just a knack for, hey, where's the soft spot going to be? Who's the guy that I'm going to get in between? Who are the guys across the ball? So I think his experience plays a big role in a play like that and in his ability to be effective there. Just something to keep in mind before we watch the first regular season game of the year with Jacoby Brissett on the roster. And yes, I like Jacoby Brissett, but not as the long-term starter. I'm just bringing up Brissett because it was, you know, a, a, a series of questions about it that led to Brissett. And when he said he's clearly got a knack for that play, so we've had some good talks about it, I just wonder, could they use Brissett? in third and short and fourth and short. He will be dressed. He will be the backup quarterback on the sideline. Um, Something interesting uh, to maybe keep in mind as we watch the game on Sunday. All right, uh, let's get to the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. The smell test is brought to you by my good friends at my bookie guys. First full college and NFL weekend of the year. If you're planning on betting and you don't have a spot, my bookie is your spot. If you've already got a spot where you're going to bet, but you don't have a second or backup spot, a comparison shopping spot, you should sign up at my bookie. Uh, first and foremost, they're going to give you free money. When you sign up and you use my promo code, Kevin DC, the MyBookie family has it all for you. Daily odds boosts, same game parlays, super contests. And this year they've got a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quickly. Use my promo code Kevin DC when you go to mybookie.ag and on a deposit of $50 or more, you'll receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Again, even if you've got a place, sign up with MyBookie at mybookie.ag, use my promo code and take the free money and then use my bookie as a backup spot as a place to comparison shop on point spreads on money lines on totals on pricing my bookie's got fair tight lines they have outstanding pricing you're not paying some of the ridiculous vigs that you're uh, that you pay on a loss in some places. Bet your deposit amount once at MyBookie and you're ready to withdraw at any time. Again, promo code Kevin DC to claim your cash deposit and bet with one of the best. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. Uh, the smell test last week in the first week of the year, three and two. Um, South Alabama, which I was pretty convinced of, lost. So did Iowa. Uh, Toledo, Fresno State, and then Duke on Monday night were the winners. So uh, let's start with tonight. I like Illinois plus three and a half. They're playing at Kansas. Uh, They've got their quarterback back at Kansas. They've got 17 starters back. The public likes Kansas uh, in this game. Uh, They were one of the darlings, remember, of the early portion of the schedule last year. Um, And they are, you know, uh, a a team that, 
you know, some believe can finish in the top three or four in the Big 12. Illinois last week needed a last-second field goal as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite to beat Toledo. Toledo was one of my, my one of my winners last week. Sometimes, by the way, I'll have either uh, a specific team a lot or the team that that team is playing a lot. You kind of get a feel for certain teams, as do a lot of the odds makers and where the public action is going to be. And a lot of times you'll see a lot of the smell test picks hit on games involving the same team one way or the other. So we had Toledo against Illinois last week. I like Illinois tonight plus three and a half at Kansas. Tomorrow, guys, is one of the highest profile public plays in college that I can remember. Uh, The entire betting public is on Colorado tomorrow laying the three against Nebraska. Nothing else needs to be said if you know how I wager. Uh, There's also some sharp money uh, that's on Nebraska as well. Take Nebraska now at plus three. That line could go down a little bit. Look, Colorado is coming off the emotion of that win. Nebraska is coming off an unimpressive 13-10 loss at Minnesota last week. Nobody thinks Nebraska's got a chance against this Colorado team that they watched last week. In some ways, I actually want Colorado to continue to win and be a big story with Deion Sanders. I'm a Deion fan, and I'm definitely a fan of his son, Shadur Sanders, and Travis Hunter is just an absolute star. I mean, this guy's going to be a top-five pick when he comes out. Uh, But that game is a 12 noon Eastern time game, 10 a.m. local time at Folsom Field in Boulder. Uh, the tickets for that game are outrageous. Uh, I, I, I looked on StubHub the other day. 400 bucks was like the lowest price ticket to get into the stadium. It's the biggest home game they've had in years. So why do I like Nebraska? Well, because nobody likes Nebraska, A. Uh, and B, if you think about this analytically, which never really factors into smell test picks, as most of you know, but Colorado sucked on defense last week. I mean, they just are not a good defensive team. They weren't a good special teams uh, team last week either. Um, It's Matt Rule. Uh, He had a rough opener uh, with Nebraska last week. On general principle, as uh, my good friend Scott uh, likes to say, uh, general contrarian handicapping principle, Nebraska plus the three is the play. Texas Tech lost to Wyoming, a game that ended really late, uh, in part because there were thunderstorms in Laramie. The game was a CBS national TV game last Saturday night, and it didn't end until, I think, after, like, you know, well after midnight, close to 1 a.m., and Texas Tech lost a lead and lost the game in Laramie to Wyoming, 35-33 in double overtime. They're playing Oregon at home in Lubbock, and Oregon scored 81 points in a win over Portland State last week. The line is less than a touchdown. The public's hammering Oregon. 
Uh, buy the half point, get it to seven, and take Texas Tech. One other game uh, tomorrow, Minnesota, who beat Nebraska but looked unimpressive doing it, is laying a massive number to uh, Eastern Michigan uh, tomorrow. The number is 20 and a half. Um, the public, for whatever reason, likes the MAC team. They beat Howard, by the way. Uh, it was actually a competitive game. It was uh, 33 to 23, I believe, was the final score. Uh, so I'm going to take Minnesota on an uh, on a uh, you know on an anti-public um, big favorite. I hate big favorites, as most of you know, uh, but it's too big of a favorite. And there is sharp money, a lot of sharp money, on Minnesota tomorrow in this game. Uh, that is your Saturday slate, all right? Uh, and Friday night slate, the college slate. Illinois plus three and a half. Nebraska plus three. Texas Tech buying the hook plus seven. And Minnesota laying 20 and a half. Let's go to Sunday. You guys aren't going to like this at all. I apologize for it, but uh, it fits. Um, Washington laying seven is one of the biggest public plays of the entire football weekend. Nobody's giving Arizona a chance to cover in that game, and so I will take the Cardinals plus the seven. Uh, look, I for those of you who don't know and haven't paid attention to the smell test over the years, I've had Washington as a play, and I've had their opponent many times, and uh, my hit rate on games involving Washington over the years is like 63%. Um, so I've always got a good feel for it. Uh, I, you know, you heard my my score prediction in the open, twenty to fourteen. So I like Washington to win the game, but I don't like them to cover. I'll take the Cardinals plus the seven. Uh, another big public fa- favorite on Sunday is Minnesota laying six uh, at home against a Tampa team without Tom Brady. I'll take the Bucks plus the six. Tennessee's a team I like just overall. Um, I like I love the Titans Sunday. They're getting three at New Orleans. A lot of people like New Orleans this year. I do too. I think they'll win the NFC South, but I'll take the Titans plus the three. And then one of the biggest plays also uh, of the weekend is Philadelphia for the public. Uh, they're laying a short four in Foxborough. I'll take the Pats plus the four. And then everybody thinks the Rams stink and Seattle's good. It's probably true. Um, but they're betting uh, the Seahawks laying less than a touchdown, a lot less than a touchdown. The line's at five. Um, I'll take the Rams on a flyer plus five. So there you go. Smell test week two. Illinois plus three and a half tonight. Nebraska plus three. Texas Tech plus seven. And Minnesota minus 20 and a half tomorrow. And then on Sunday, Tampa, Arizona, Tennessee, New England, and the Rams. Uh, that is it for the show today. I will be back on Monday with a recap of not only Washington, Arizona, but the entire weekend. Enjoy it back on Monday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.